All right, that is so incredible. Some of our student leaders have been going through this uh, program now for a couple years called SLU, Student Leadership University. And it's been really amazing just to see leadership skills develop in them, some of that that you heard, because we believe that they are the leaders of today and how they're preparing and learning about leadership now really helps prepare them for the future. And also, I, I just really, really believe really sets the church up for the future. And that's why that is so cool and why we wanted to share that story with you. So if you've got a Bible today, open it up. We were actually finished, we finished the book of Romans last week, uh, 52 weeks in this letter to the Romans. But I was so sad, I just didn't want it to end yet. And so I wanted to do a recap of it. Uh, really not sad, I'm just so excited about it and I still love it. But, but really kind of thinking about Romans and you know, it's been 52 weeks now in this letter, I think it's important for us just to spend a couple more weeks, in fact, two weeks, this weekend and next weekend, just kind of doing a recap, if you will. So I'm gonna do two weeks of a recap to, to really just kind of go back over what the message of the letter to the Romans is. And, and it really kind of worked out because today's message is going to be primarily in a text that was done uh, two sermons last year by Pastor Chad and Pastor David that I didn't preach. And so really this is a great opportunity for me to go back and preach those uh, verses in Romans chapter one. So if you got a Bible, you can open up to Romans chapter one. And honestly, that's really why I wanted to do the recap because I didn't get a chance to preach these messages, all right? Uh, but, but seriously, I think the text that we're gonna see today, in Romans chapter one, verses eight through 17, really helps us understand what the letter was all about. And that's why I wanna go back and look at them. One, because it was written to a specific group of people, and that is so important. And two, it, it, it kind of sets up what the whole message of the letter is. And I think there's a lot for us to learn from it. So we're going to recap this part this week, and then we'll recap another part of it next week. And then that'll kind of be the final bow on the book of Romans. And so Romans chapter one is where we're going to be. And as always, let's pray before we get started. All right, pray with me. Father, thank you for loving us. As always, God, we want to not only honor you, glorify you like we talked about last week, but we want to be helpful. We want to help people understand how their greatest enjoyment is found in enjoying you, and that is what ultimately glorifies you. And so, God, I, as always, I pray as we open up your word today that you would speak to us, that your Holy Spirit would open up our eyes to see and to hear and to love the truth that we're going to understand. And God, I pray, as always, not only you would empower me to do it, but you would empower us all to hear it. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You know, when I was thinking about recapping this, uh, honestly, it's like I could do a whole other series trying to recap it, uh, really trying to boil it down to you know two weeks of like, all right, what is the message to the Romans? As I was thinking about that, one of my heroes in the faith who just passed away not too long ago, R.C. Sproul, when he was preaching the letter to the Romans, he was reminded of his responsibility as a pastor. And he quoted or he said something, and I want to quote him because it really kind of frames out why I think it's important to go back and recap Romans and really helps kind of set the stage of what we're going to look at in the next two weeks. And so before we jump in to the text, I want to read this quote to you, and I've got it here on the screen. He said, I knew that I was responsible as a preacher to clearly explain God's word and to show how we ought to live in light of it. 
I sought to fulfill both tasks as I ascended the St. Andrew's pulpit each week. St. Andrew's was the church that he pastored. Actually, he was continuing to pastor until he passed away. And as I read that, honestly, I thought about my life and my mission as a pastor, and it felt so timely, and again, I'm gonna tie this into why we're doing this recap, is because my primary responsibility is to clearly communicate the word of God to you, for you to understand what the word of God says. And that's why I like going through books of the Bible like this, where we just kind of take it a little bit each week because it builds out what the whole letter is or what the whole point of the book is, as opposed to just jumping around. Not that we would never do that, but primarily we just teach through books of the Bible because I think it's so important for us to understand clearly what the word of God says. And then the second part of that that I love, he says that it's also as a pastor to explain how we live in light of it to help you see not only the word of God clearly, but how we live in light of it. Not only understanding it, but but saying, okay, what does that mean for me? How do I now apply that to my life? And that's one of the reasons why our groups uses the REAP method, R-E-A-P, read, examine, apply, and pray, because we talk about these texts, and then in our groups, we go over them even deeper and further in, because we want you to not only learn what it clearly means, but then have the avenues to actually live it out, live in light of it. And so when I think about this text, that's really one of the things that I thought, man, I, I It's kind of a guiding principle always as I preach, but when I think about kind of recapping the letter to the Romans, this this, uh, quote from R.C. is what's on my mind. I want to spend two weeks, again, clearly explaining to you the Word of God and then helping you see how to live in light of it. And so it's with that idea that I want us to approach this text because I think that's honestly what Paul was doing. I think that was the point of why Paul wrote this letter to the Romans. And I don't have the verse on the screen, but in verse five, we did this a few weeks ago, Paul said that it was by grace he had been saved and become an apostle to bring about the obedience of faith, to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of Jesus to all nations. And so what Paul was trying to do is the same thing that I'm trying to do by clearly preaching the word of God to you to bring about obedience to the faith. And so when I think about what Paul was doing in writing this letter, I think about what my mission is and what our mission is as a church. Again, we'll dig into this more in just a little bit, but I really want you to clearly see and understand this word of God and then live in light of it. So let's look at verse eight, and it's gonna be kind of broken up today's message, it's kind of broken up in two sections, and one, I, I want you to see really what the church is, what the mission of the church, why we exist, what we're doing, and then what the message of the church is. And so verse eight, Paul says this. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Now we talked last week about through Jesus Christ. He says, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, who I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. Verse 11 and 12, listen to these. For I long to see you. Oh, how that is so relevant right now. For I long to see you 
that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Now, it'd be so easy to kind of breeze over this part as just the introduction. In fact, this is kind of a part of the extended introduction, verses 1 through 7, as Paul often does, kind of gives a recap of really the whole point of the Old Testament and leading up to this point. And now Paul is helping them understand why he's doing what he's doing. And then he's personalizing it. And so again, this is really a part of that introduction where Paul is speaking specifically to the church in Rome. And he's talking about his desire to come and see them. Which again, that is so relevant for us right now in 2020 because we have not been meeting in person now for months and months. And when we think about that, you, you know, at least I hope you feel the way that I feel that there is a longing to see each other. There is a longing to be together and we're working on that and we'll communicate to you in the, more in the coming weeks. But, but the idea of it is the church is the people of God. The church is not a building. We say this often. The body is not the building. Pastor Thad actually said that months ago in one of our church updates, that the, the church is the people of God. And it would be really easy just to kind of blow over this point to get into the second part of the message when we get into the, what the message of Romans is. But I think it's so important for us to kind of stop here for a second and really kind of take a step back and say, okay, Paul is writing this to a specific group of people, i.e., the church that was in Rome. And, and he's writing this to, to not only encourage them, but, but he wants to, he's longing to see them so that they might mutually encourage each other. And there's some highlights in this that he says that I think really helps us understand what the church is and what the church is about, what we're trying to accomplish here. So there's a couple things that I want us to see. Because Paul said clearly in verse five that he was trying to bring about obedience to faith. That's his goal. Another way to say that is make disciples of all nations. And so that's why Paul existed. That was his mission. But that mission was lived out with specific groups of people, i.e. churches that he started and ministries that he led. And so he's saying to this specific group of people ultimately what that mission is, and he's kind of breaking down you as the church. Here's what happens when that mission is accomplished. And so when we think about the church, we think about the people of God, and, and Paul's mission was to accomplish the mission of the church, and that should be the same for you and me. You know, our mission statement here at Revolution Church, and again, I think it's so good to come back around to it, is to love Jesus and grow people. Love Jesus and grow people. And the reason why we say it like that is because that highlights the two commandments that Jesus gave us to love God with all of our heart and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And it also highlights the commandment that Jesus gave us in Matthew 28, the Great Commission. And so our church is about two things it's about the person of Jesus and helping people grow. And so when we think about the mission of the church, it's interesting, we see that right here. We see the mission of the church, this specific group of people that Paul is trying to help accomplish this mission. Again, first he says in verse eight, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. So right there we see he's thanking God. 
He's thanking Jesus because Jesus is the head of the church. This is what we talked about for the last few weeks. He's the only wise God. And so the mission of the church is first and foremost to help people to know Jesus, to, to thank God through Jesus Christ for the people. Now, the next thing he says here that's so interesting to me, he says, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Now, think about this. Faith, and we'll get into this at the end, faith is something you can't see. It's invisible. Faith is when we trust. And so we are made right with God when we trust Jesus. Now, you can't see that. But if you go back to verse five, like I said, Paul's mission was to bring about the obedience of faith. Now, we talked about it a few weeks ago, how faith leads to obedience. So how could their faith, something that's unseen, be known all over the world at that time? It's because their faith led to actions that you could see. Their faith led to fruit that you could see. And this is why Jesus said, we are to judge people by their fruits. In fact, that's exactly what James deals with when he's talking about faith. He's not saying we're saved by works, but he's saying, listen, faith leads to works. Because how else can people know if I have faith unless they see my good works? Jesus said that, right? They will see your good works and they will glorify your Father in heaven. And so the mission of the church, again, is twofold, to glorify Jesus, to love Jesus, and to grow people. And when we're talking about growing people, what we're talking about is we not only see people have faith, but then we see people work out their faith. We see people exercise their faith. And there's a couple things I want to point out what exercising your faith looks like. How is faith, how can the faith of Revolution Church, the people of Revolution Church, how can that be made famous around the world? Three things that I think that he says here. And this isn't just a normal kind of three-point sermon because I got way more than that, all right? But three things I wanna highlight. Verse nine, he says, for God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit, lowercase s, talking about himself, not the Holy Spirit, in the gospel of his son. So one of the ways that our faith is seen one of the ways that our people know that we have faith is we are using our spirit in service to the gospel of Jesus. We are using who God made us to be in service for his kingdom. So Paul clearly says here, I'm here in the service and my spirit joining with the Holy Spirit. In fact, a better way to say it is the Holy Spirit empowering my spirit, making us new people. And now we are working. This is what's so interesting. Paul says elsewhere in other letters that he says he worked harder than anybody, but it wasn't him. It was the spirit of God in him. It was the grace of God in him. So one of the ways you see our faith actually becoming famous is we serve in the church. We serve with our spirit to the service of the gospel. Second thing that he says here that I want to point out too. He says, I never stop ceasing to mention you always in my prayer. So another way that our faith starts to activate, starts to work is not only we serve like in a physical sense, but we serve in a spiritual sense. We are serving God and serving people by praying for them. I mean, you see Paul here, he's saying, man, I was 
praying for you and praying for you and praying for you. So much so that I was praying that God would let me come and see you. I mean, I think about the things that I pray for and almost always, again, this is just, I struggle with prayer. I've said this before, but, but a lot of times what dominates my prayers are my own personal things. But here's Paul saying what really dominated his prayers was those people that he was trying to bring about obedience to faith. And so you see his faith being exercised because the object of his prayers, more often than not, wasn't himself. So you could see that Paul loved Jesus and was trying to grow people, trying to bring about obedience to faith, not only how he served them, but how he prayed for them. And then the third one that I really want to point out here, and this is the one that really jumped out to me more than anything. He said, I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That, and that's the purpose statement there, we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Again, when I think about the church, the family of God, the family of God is the people of God. It's not the building. And the church literally by definition is the called out assembly. And that's why we assemble together. You know, but we haven't been able to assemble together in person for quite some time. And we're obviously we're going to come back together and how that looks and how all those details work out and what that looks like six months from now, we'll, we'll continue to, to work on. But, but the point is simply this. The point is we want to gather together. Now thank God for technology. We've been able to gather together online, but the whole point of why we want to gather together, we want to serve each other and pray for each other is so that we may encourage one another. We may encourage one another. And here's what I want to connect for you. I love how he says it. The mutually encouraged by each other's faith. You want to know the best way to help someone else build their faith? Encourage them. Here's one thing I know. There is no human on planet Earth that has ever suffered from too much encouragement. Never. That hasn't happened. No one is suffering from over-encouragement. And what's amazing, the word encouragement, it means to put courage in. In courage. To put courage in. And the primary, one of the primary purposes, again, besides glorifying God, I would actually say how we glorify God is by encouraging others. And so when we're talking about the purpose of the church, again, if I'm trying to recap Romans here, I'm not even getting into the message of Romans yet. We'll get into that in just a second, but we're really getting into a, the mission of the church. And again, I, I think it could be so easily overlooked that we forget that the apostle Paul is writing this to a specific group of people to accomplish a specific purpose. And that specific purpose is to bring about obedience to faith. Well, how do we do that? I can tell you this, it's not through more criticism. It's not through being critical of each other. It's not through just calling out each other. It's through encouraging one another. Now let me ask you a question. Since we have met together in person, has it been one of your primary purposes to encourage the people of God? To encourage our local body, our local church, 
to build them up in the faith. If we were honest, we would probably all say that 2020 has made us less encouraging people. Because 2020 hasn't been too encouraging, has it? But again, what glorifies God more? That we can carry out our mission when everything is going well? Or we can carry out our mission even in the midst of the misery that we're going through? And this was convicting to me as I thought about this. I thought, man, how easy it would be to let life discourage me from my primary mission, which is to encourage others. Don't miss what I'm saying here. Life can discourage you to the point where you miss your mission of encouraging others. And even Paul, which again, if you want to know what Paul's life was like, Paul's life was like one long perpetual 2020. He was shipwrecked, you know, beaten, snake bitten. You go read the, the examples. Of, thank God you're not here because I'm spitting everywhere, all right, because I'm getting excited. But Paul's life was one that was marked by suffering. How do we know that? Because when Paul got saved, you can read this in the book of Acts, when Paul got saved, the Holy Spirit, in fact, Jesus actually told him how much he was to suffer for his name. So suffering didn't stop Paul from his mission. In fact, what it did was it reminded him over and over of it and let him stay focused on it, which is why he said in verse five that he was given grace, apostleship to bring about obedience to faith. So again, maybe God brought these trials in your life, in my life, to help us all be reminded, to wake us up to what the mission of the church is. And the mission of the church, again, we just say it, love Jesus, grow people. But the mission is determined by Jesus. And Jesus' mission is that, for us to love him and grow people. But think about it. I wonder how many of us, when we come to church, when we gather together, we just do the first part and we miss the second. We're just here to meet with Jesus, which is great. We want you to, but we're just here to meet with Jesus. But the mission of the church is not fulfilled until your mission becomes the mission of the church. Until the mission of the church becomes your mission, the mission of the church isn't finished. Until you understand it, yes, you are a person, and as a church, we're trying to help you grow, but then you now take personal responsibility for encouraging others to grow. When that transfer happens, you are now fulfilling the mission of the church. So here's what I'm saying to you. Again, this is like half the message, and I gotta hurry. My mission is not fulfilled until your mission becomes the mission of the church, which is to love Jesus and grow people. And when I was thinking about recapping Romans, again, this text, I didn't get to preach. And so that's part of why I was excited about it. But when I thought about that, I'm like, I can't miss this part to just go into the message of the church. I can't miss the mission of the church to encourage people to bring about obedience to faith. And so I hope this is encouraging you so that when we do come back together, and maybe you're not going to come back together in person for a while. Well, that doesn't mean that you can't still accomplish the mission of the church. 
And we'll be talking more about that into the future. I think there's some exciting ways that God is helping us to see, hey, there are some things that we can do differently to help accomplish the mission. And so I want to bring that back to your attention. Now move on to verse 13. Again, as I was studying this today, I'm like, maybe this needs to be a three-week recap. Because I don't know if two is enough. But look at 13. He says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation, he says, verse 14, both to Greeks and to barbarians. You know, it's gonna be good because I'm getting my preaching towel, all right, all right? Both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. So think about this. The mission of the church is to love Jesus, grow people. What kind of people? All people, all nations. That's the mission of the church. And so the, the, the church is, again, the people of God, the family of God. So now Paul's saying, okay, if that's what we're trying to do, we're, we're trying to bring obedience of faith among all nations, and we do that by encouraging each other, then how do all those nations become a part of the family? How do people become the people of God? How does that happen? Through the preaching of the gospel, which this is why we're talking about the message of the church. The mission of the church, love Jesus, grow people, but how do we accomplish that? By preaching the message of the church. What's interesting to me is he says that I may, in order that I may reap some harvest. Now they lived in a very agricultural society at that time. And so the whole idea of, of sowing and reaping is very biblical because it made a lot of sense, but it still makes a lot of sense to us today, which is why we use the primary metaphor of that to talk about grow, how we grow. There's this whole process and so you got to plant, you got to water, you got to get sunlight, you got to till this, all this work that you got to do. That's what pastoring is. That's what the church is. And he says, but I'm doing all that so I may reap a harvest. And so the church, as the church, we want to add more people to the church. We want to add more people to the family of God. We want to reap more people. Now, we're not trying to make this sound real mechanical, so please don't take it that way, like I'm trying to somehow, you know, dumb down that we're talking about reaping people. But here's what's so cool to me. This word here, reap, is literally the Greek word echo, E-C-H-O, where we get our English word. You want to guess what word we get? Echo. I know, you're so smart. And the word echo is, again, the English word is based upon the Greek word echo, and we know what echo means, Right? If you're in a canyon or you're somewhere that, where sound reverberates, when you speak, when you say something, it bounces off. There's echo. And, and what's interesting is the echo proves that there was someone making a sound. The echo proves that somebody said something. And so when you speak something, sound transfers, right? And the speed of sound is very fast. And so when it goes and it bounces off and then it comes back to you, you know that it went forward. Why? Because it produced a sound back. It, it reverberated back. It echoed back. You might call that the fruit of what you said. 
And here's what's really cool to me. He said, I might reap a harvest, how? By preaching the gospel. Now, again, you know I love words. The Greek word there for preach is a word that you know. You may not have just known it was a Greek word, but it's literally in Greek, the word preach means to evangelize. That's literally the Greek word, evangelize. So we just brought it over into English and we made a word called evangelize, which honestly, sometimes I don't like the connotation of that word, actually like preach better, but that's another conversation for another day. And then the word gospel, here's what's really cool to me, is the word evangelium. And so the word for gospel, where we get the word preach is we are gospeling, if you want to say it like that. So to preach the gospel is to take the gospel, the evangelium, and evangelize, to put it out there. Well, how do you know that when you evangelize, when you preach it, when you put the words out there, how do you know it's having an effect? By the echo. By the echo it produces. And what Paul's saying here is the echo is the people. You see the power of the preaching of the gospel by how it changes people. So people are the echo of the preaching. Now, why is that important? It's because if the mission of the church, love Jesus, grow people, then how do we accomplish that? We keep preaching the message of the church because God has invested power in the words of the gospel. So when the word goes forth, it changes life and produces back a response which just sets us up for verse 16. Look at what he says. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now don't miss this. Again, he's writing this to the church in Rome. He wants to come and serve and pray and mutually be encouraged. That's the church. But also remind the church, hey, your mission is not just to do those things with a select few, but to, through doing those things, keep preaching the message to all those who don't know that they can be a part of the family of God. To all those who are fatherless, to all those who don't know God, to all those who you can see that are hurting in the world around you and they need to be a part of the new family of Jesus. And so the mission of the church is seen in how it handles the message of the church by preaching the gospel, by making an effect, literally reverberating sounds. Now think about that. That's how the faith of the Romans became so famous. Literally, he says that your faith is proclaimed in all the world, in all the known world at that time. Because again, we'll talk about this in a second. Faith is something that happens. It's, it's when I trust the preaching, when I trust the gospel, I'm saved. I belong to the new family of Jesus. 
And as I'm becoming a part of the new family of Jesus, then I take the message that I heard and now I share it. And so when he's talking about the mission and the message of the church and preaching the gospel, he's saying, man, it's so important because in that is the power of God. He says, man, I'm not ashamed of it. Now, this is so important. In fact, I would say, I mean, it's important in every age, but it's really important in this age. You want to know why? Because there's going to be a lot of forces inside the church and outside the church that will try to get the church off its primary message, that will try to get the church off its primary mission. But the primary message of the church is the gospel. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed of it. And that means to feel guilty for it. And, and if you're anything like me, sometimes when you're trying to share the gospel, you're, you're timid, right? And you're, you're scared because you don't want to offend anybody. We live in this society now where you don't want to be offensive. But Paul says, listen, in order for the church to continue to effectively accomplish its mission, it's got to stay on message. And our message is Jesus. Our headline is Jesus. Our message is not how cool the church is or if you like the pastor or not, which is always a little weird to me when I have to have conversations with people and I invite them to church. And I'm like, you might not like the pastor, but you should come, right? And, and so when we, when we highlight what the church is about, we gotta make sure that we're always highlighting the message, the gospel. And we gotta stay on message because that is what an unbelieving world needs to hear, because the gospel is where the power of God is. The gospel is what Paul is going to, again, this is why, I mean, the, this recap could be seven weeks. I'm just extending it. Not two, not three, not seven. I don't know. Two weeks from now, I may do more recaps. I don't know. All right. We just got to stay with me. All right. But what Paul does from this point in Romans chapter one, verse 18, all the way to chapter 11, so from Romans 1:18 all the way until chapter 11, Paul explains what the gospel is. He explains the gospel. He explains it. And this is why if you've ever been around church, when you learn to share your faith, you might've learned something called the Romans, anybody know? The Romans road. And the idea was that you take a road through Romans, all right? You take the path through Romans to explain to people the gospel. This is why it's called the greatest letter ever written, because Paul explains it. And that's why we preached it, because we want you to know the gospel. And then in chapters 12 through 16, this is the recap that we'll do next week, is how do we live in light of the gospel? And so again, remember what my kind of operating thing here was, is I want to clearly communicate the word of God to you and then show you how to live in light of it. And so if I'm going to clearly communicate the word of God to you, then I want you to see that the message of the church is the gospel. And that's what Romans 1 through 11 is about. And he says, it's first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Or he uses the word Greek here, same concept. First for the Jew, and this is the part that's so sad to me. And again, this became so prevalent when we were in Israel last year. The Jewish people had all the promises of God, all the Old Testament, which was looking forward to the Messiah coming, and then the Messiah came, and the Jewish people rejected him. 
which Paul deals with that in Romans 9 and Romans 10. And what's so sad is the Jewish people reject the message of Jesus, reject the gospel, because he wasn't the savior that they were looking for. They were looking for a political savior. They wanted a person to overthrow Rome. Now here's why I'm highlighting this. You know how many people don't come to Jesus today because they're still looking for a political savior? They still think in primary political ideological terms. And we got a presidential election coming up this year. And here's what I'm saying to you. There's a savior and his name is Jesus. No politician is the savior. And I'm not making a, a political statement about a party. I'm making a political statements about all parties, about all politics. Because Jesus is not political in the way that you think he's political. But he's way more political than you ever thought. Because what he's trying to show you is, listen, I'm not here to build your kingdoms. I'm here to build my kingdom. And my kingdom is going to look different. And that's what we've been talking about in chapters 12 through 16. And so the reason why so many people don't come to Jesus is because they miss the message of what he came to do. And so it's, so, it's heartbreaking to me that Jewish people today, that they have missed their Messiah. They have missed Yeshua, Jesus, Joshua, the anointed one. The one who came to do what every other leader politically failed to do. And yes, when Jesus returns again, he will set up a new kingdom and it will rule over all kingdoms of men. And then there will be no more politics anymore because his kingdom is fully here. But it, now it's here spiritually. Why? Because it's real easy to come to Jesus when he's in political power. But it's real hard to come to Jesus when you have to give your life to him, but still live under the, whatever political oppression you're under. And so what I want you to see is Jesus is coming and he came to save you. And if you will understand the message of the church, you will understand the gospel, then you'll be saved. Look at verse 17. He says, for in it, what is it? The gospel. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Now, quickly, this is what I was telling you. It's almost like two recaps in one. Now it's going to be 14 weeks, sorry. But the righteousness of God is revealed in what? In the gospel. How is that? Again, you, that's what chapters 1 through 11 is, but here's a, a quick recap. The gospel is God is so righteous that he has to judge sin. That's what he says in Romans 1 verse 18 and following. Go read it. He's so righteous that he has to, to judge sin. But he's so loving that he judged Jesus in our place for our sin. So the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. And then he says this phrase. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So here's what that means. If you want to be righteous, what is righteous? If you want to be made right with God. 
So righteousness is your rightness. You're made right with God. Another way to say that is you're justified. You're justified, and the, the word justification is a theological word that means it's just if I'd never sinned. So justified, to be justified means now in the sight of God, it's just if I'd never sinned. I'm righteous in his sight. I'm holy. How does that happen? Through faith. Through faith in who? Jesus. When I believe the gospel, the good news of what Jesus did, that God was so righteous that he had to judge sin, but God was so loving that he judged Jesus in my place. And if I put my faith in him, and this word here, faith, and we did this back when, we, when I taught through Romans chapter two and three, the word faith is the Greek word pistuo. It means to believe in, not believe that. And the example that I gave, I got from a good friend of mine. He said, imagine your father or, or somebody, if you didn't have a father, is in the swimming pool and they are saying to you, jump, jump in. Well, when you're standing on the edge of the pool, you believe that, that dude in the pool with the dad bod is your dad. You believe that's your dad, but you're not believing in him until you jump. That's pistuo, to believe in him. See, there's a lot of you, you believe that there's a God. You may even be Jewish and you believe that there's a God. But it's not until you believe in Jesus, in faith, you place your faith and trust in Jesus, that you become a part of the new family of Jesus. You're saved, you become a part of the church where now you can live out your mission in life to love Jesus and grow people, where you can mutually encourage other brothers and sisters in Christ, where you can serve in your spirit, where you can pray. So you can't do all that stuff. You can't live out the mission for which God created you without first understanding the message that Jesus came to die for you. And if you'll place your faith in him, you'll be justified. You'll be made righteous, made right with God. Be born again, saved, come alive, and now alive to your mission in life. So the reason why I'm saying this is twofold, because there's some of you out there, you've never trusted in Jesus. And today is your day to place your faith in him. But there's a lot of us out here that we have placed our faith in Jesus but we have forgotten our mission. We've forgotten our mission. We were saved to live out our mission. We were saved to live out why God created us. And I know this has been a tough year. It's been a tough year for all of us. And for some of you, it's been really tough because you've had loss and job loss and life of loss and you know a lot of things that have happened to you. And I don't claim to know or understand all why that happens, but here's what I know. If that doesn't wake you up to your mission, then nothing will. And please don't let this world make you so bitter and so critical. Well, all you do on Facebook is you're criticizing. You're criticizing the government. You're criticizing the schools. Heck, you're even criticizing us. 
then you're missing out on the mission because the mission of God is for you to encourage others. And let me just tell you something. He blesses one of those actions, not the other. And so I'm saying this to remind our church by why we exist. Yes, we can't gather right now in person. Hopefully we'll be able to gather together soon. And when we come together, we'll be able to live out that mission even more so. But don't wait until we come together to live your life on mission. This is what you were saved for. Because if we miss that, if we miss this doctrine of our message of justification by faith alone, then the church will fall. If we miss this message and we miss this mission, our church won't make it. Let me leave you with this quote and I'm done. One of my favorites of all time by Martin Luther. He said this, the doctrine of justification by faith alone is the article upon which the church stands or falls. So our church will stand or fall based upon our ability to speak that message. And how do we know that people are living out that message if we stay on mission and encourage one another and accomplish the mission for which Jesus created the church? Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word. And as we just recap briefly the message of Romans. God, there's no way I can do a recap in even two weeks. But God, the message of Romans is we've all fallen short. We are all sinners. We are all in need of grace. All of us need Jesus. And so God, if there's anyone here today that has never trusted in Jesus, never put their faith in Jesus and been saved, I pray right now that you would save them. In faith, as Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if they confess with their mouth and believe in their hearts that you died and that you rose again, they'll be saved. So as always, nobody, I always say looking around or talking, it doesn't really matter wherever you're at, but, but the point is this, if you wanna trust Christ, Right now, in faith, you can believe and be saved. Because that's our message, man. You're like, well, I'm too sinful. We're all too sinful. There's Jesus and the rest of us. So you can be saved today if you'll place your faith in Jesus. If you'll jump, put your faith in him. He'll catch you and save you. So if that's you, if you want to pray with me, it goes like this. Say, Father, thank you so much for loving me that you sent your son to die in my place and I can be justified today, made right with you if I put my faith in Jesus. So I put my faith in Jesus. I trust Jesus alone to save me. Would you forgive me of my sins? I believe he died and rose again. Now, if you prayed that with me today, again, we want to know about that. You'll have an opportunity in just a minute to text us and let us know that. But then again, to the second group of us who we've already trusted Jesus, we've already been saved by grace through faith in Christ, let me remind you again of your mission. 
is to love Jesus and grow people. to serve in your spirit, to pray for others, to mutually encourage others into obedience. And maybe, again, you've gotten off mission of that, or maybe you've been the person that's been so critical and not encouraging. Let me remind you again of the gospel. You know, one of the reasons why we get arrogant and one of the reasons why we get critical is because we forget that there was Jesus and the rest of us. We forget that we weren't saved because we were awesome, so we can be encouraging to those who are not being awesome. We weren't saved because we were good, so we can be encouraging to those who are not good, to those who are failing, we can come alongside of them and lift them up. And so how we live out the message is our mission, and we want our faith to be lived out in such a way where people can say, you know what? They really believe the Bible. They really believe that faith. They're so loving. They're so encouraging. They're so giving. They serve so much. They pray for me so much. I didn't think that there was a Jesus, but I can't deny him because of these people. So let's be that kind of church, church. Let's stay on our mission. Let's stay on our message. And let's trust Jesus with the rest of it. Father, would you accomplish this? It's hard work, especially in a season like this, but it's worthy work. And remind us that you saved us and you're going to empower us to live this out. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.